0: podcast is a member of the place to be nation family visit us at place to be the only place to be in your pop culture world place to be come over here this yo. place to be is on my side dude because you don't want to be the target but not fly the coop. Uh, nah, Place to Be is on my side, dude Cause you don't wanna be the uh, target when I fly the food. Buenos dias yes, no, yes, we call right. it L- the, uh, rumor the, rumor the rumor Place to, be to, be. Yeah. to yeah. Be. Yeah. The Place to Be, Then I shall be it, it is contagious, it is the Place to Be And we are live each and every Monday To do, to, to do worse than Josh Richard
1: Place to Be Nation proudly presents A powerful pair of pro wrestling pundits It's JT Rosero and Scott Criscola and this is The Get Place to money, Be Podcast. money,
0: heroes, private jets, polishes.
2: Nation. Welcome back to another great episode of the one and only Place to Be podcast. I'm your host, Just Rosero. I to meet you live here from the PTBN studios. And joining me, as always, is my PIC, Mr. Scott Griscola. Scott, how are you?
0: Hello, JR. Good evening, my PIC. And uh, good evening, or morning, or afternoon to all of you, you PTB Wrestling Network family and friends. Welcome to episode 639 of the longest-running, non-stop, episodic, motherfucking gold standard. And it is the gold standard. As we are 61 away from seven bills.
2: And mm, we are I'm also just days away from, uh, you know, one of the best holidays of the year. Of course, it is one of the best weeks of the year. We always celebrate here on the Place Podcast. It's Thanksgiving week. It's yep. always a lot of fun and frivolity as part of it. And uh, yep. we'll be seeing you by the end of it. So. Yes, Kind of oh, ends wait. with a thud, but you know, is what it is. Well, you got the motto too, so <laughs> oh, yeah, god, man, a of misery. Fun. Uh, but no, it'll be a lot of fun, of course. It's <laughs> survivor, survivor series weekend, so we'll be checking that out. Lots going yep. on, yes, uh, in our world and our lives, as always. Um, and tonight we are hitting a milestone episode so we're going to be covering WrestleMania 26. Mm-hmm. It's our Third WrestleMania since we did our rebooted timeline. We started with Backlash 07. Mm -hmm. So we've done pretty much now a full, uh, what, 07, 08, 09, 3 into 10, right? 07, 08, 08, 09, 9 to 10. So we did three full years of pay per view reboot. It's been a a lot of fun. We started it in uh, November. I'm sorry. Yeah, November 1st, 2021. We started this reboot. And uh, here we are, just a little over three years. Uh, two years later, and years later. Uh, we have we have some news, Scott. We're going to be um, parking—not say permanently, but for a while, probably—parking uh, the Vintage Vaults on this show uh, right here. So we're going to be stopping this timeline at WrestleMania 26. Uh, we felt it was time to mix things up a little bit, both the overall format of the show, and um, honestly, just getting away from this era. Uh, it was real fun to revisit like 07, 08, and even parts of 09. Uh, I I don't think either of us are super interested in pursuing through 2010. Uh, I know things get a little bit better in in 11, but, um, it's just an era that to us doesn't hold a ton of interest and, you know, it's a formula really we've been doing on the show now for quite a while. Like we used to do different, a lot more different stuff. We kind of settled nicely into this vintage vault, um, you know, format where that's pretty much the show. Uh, which we've been doing for quite a while now, whether it was the original timeline was when we split off and branched into the going back to the eighties and doing all the MSGs, you know, and pay-per-views and now here uh, coming back to the original timeline and getting it to 2010. And I think we, when we came back to this timeline, I think we kind of envisioned on just kind of plowing ahead and getting to wherever we got. But as we moved through, we both kind of agreed. It was time to shake it up. So um we are going to start a new concept in 2 weeks and we're going to call it Making Towns Scott and mm-hmm. uh what that's about is we're going to bring a uh, still have a guest with us every episode we're going to bring someone in they're going to pick a town that means a lot to them as a wrestling fan uh and then they're going to pick a match from that town that means a lot to them as a wrestling fan and we're going to dive into things a little bit we're going to talk about the wrestling history of each city or town we're going to talk about the important matches and moments we're going to still do kind of a this week in wrestling and pop culture history around the date of the match mm-hmm. uh, when it took place. So say someone picks a match from 1998 in Boston, whatever. Like, we'll talk about wrestling in, in Boston, and then we'll talk about that week in both wrestling and uh, pop culture like we usually do with the pop culture corner. Uh, and then we'll live watch the match that they chose and, and break it down, and maybe we'll rank them kind of as we go or something like that. So we'll, we'll get through um, different categories. We'll come up with that. So that's what's going to start happening in, in two weeks. The timeline ends tonight at WrestleMania 26. Uh, but, Scott, what are your thoughts kind of on where we stand and, you know, shaking things
0: up? Well, here was, here was my thinking as well. And, and, you know, every few years, it's, it's always good to kind of refresh things. It has nothing to do with the fact no one's listening. We still get uh, amazing clicks. We always will. Um, uh, and I, and, and I, we all thank you for that because without you, there would be no us um but every once in a while it 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 doesn't hurt and there's always patches and mm-hmm. looking ahead JNR JR and I did uh yes in a year or so we get the pipe bomb and then cool punk and then the 2012 and and then things are better you know the rock comes back and all that but to do that we'd have to sit through and let's be honest folks other than maybe select moments with the nexus or the uh, 2010 sucks the, ma- mm-hmm. the, the shows are boring. Um, it's just boring, and it's probably Cena at his political worst. Um, and, well, and I think I, I've always felt this is
2: the, right here starts like WrestleMania 26 to 27, in my mind, has always been
0: like one of the worst 12 month stretches in the company. I agree 100%. I mean, I think a lot of it was. I think they made such a, this is my personal opinion. We'll talk about it when we get to the, to the tonight, to the show itself. I feel like they didn't fully prepare for not having Shawn Michaels around because mm. Shawn was easy to plug anywhere and you were going to get four and a half stars if he was wrestling a pillow, but I feel like they lost that. And then Taker kind of Triple H was gone for a while after the next pay-per-view because he gets taken out by Sheamus at the next show, which obviously we're not doing for a while. Uh, so there was a big like shakeup of the roster, and I don't think that WWE totally uh, set it up properly. We had talked about already, Jr., that the roster seemed a little a little thin. Well, they didn't they didn't build that next group. We like we we've talked
2: about it on different shows across the spectrum. Right. Like we there's a lost generation of stars that didn't get elevated because the dudes that you're mentioning hung on a little bit longer than maybe was expected. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, um, but didn't allow for that group of like the 06 to 09 era to ever really elevate. And I'm talking like Shelton, Benjamin, MVP, Mr. Kennedy, Carlito, John Morrison, like the dudes that really should have been the next tier, not never really get to that level. And suddenly overnight, all of the star power dissipates and it was kind of similar to Oh three. Um, it's mm-hmm. like, it kind of happened the same there, but they still had some and it gets rebuilt, but right. all of a sudden, yeah, you're like triple H goes part-time is essentially part-time. Um, you know, Shawn Michaels is gone. So like, you know, Batista's on his way out the door. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, suddenly they're losing a lot of
0: star power on these cards and you're without
2: a replenishing of that star power.
0: Right. Exactly. And, um, you know, they try to do the the, the worst part was with the nexus is they try to do uh, like them as like holding Cena hostage and the whole thing with Orton at the back end of the year, but they were already emasculated by then. So they were kind of useless. It wasn't until the pipe bomb that, that the product. And the thing is, I don't think wrestle WrestleMania 27 is a terrible show. Right. But, um, but it, 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 it ran flat and it wasn't really until punk's pipe bomb that, that, mm. that they kind of, pull the rip cord so on a side note on a separate second reason for this is for years and jr knows this i've talked about it a lot i always wanted to do a podcast where we talk about the best either venue or city in the i mean we could say the world but we'll say continental u.s anyway because we want to count canada uh in wrestling history whether it's msg or Mm -hmm. New York in general with Nassau and the Meadowlands, Boston, Toronto, Baltimore, you know, Dallas or whatever. Um, And I remember talking to, I've talked to tons of people about it for years. I used to tell Dr. G and I I used to tell you and, and unfortunately, (laughs) the last thing me or you need is another show (laughs) to put on our, to put on our plate. So we were sitting around uh, the table at an exceptional brewery in Detroit, uh, SummerSlam weekend, and I was talking to Keithy, our good buddy Keith Langston, about my concept, and uh, I think I was talking to Sean Kid. and I said, yeah, I've always wanted to do that, but I mean, I'm trying to you know, do another show, and, da, da, da. and I would say a week before you and I were talking about, yeah. oh God, we're getting into 2010, and you turned your head to me and said, well, why don't we do it? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think it's good. Another thing is, you know, it's very hard for us in our lives to watch whole shows. It's tough for our guests to try to get our guests to watch. So it's a nice opportunity to really talk about the fandom of our of our guests and while the great match is playing and the history. And it's, again, it's something I've always wanted to do as a podcast, but. there's only so much bandwidth and we're already each doing you know fucking five six seven shows so adding another show just was not going to be in the cards but it was a concept i felt like was really was really there i would not seen it on any other real Mm -hmm. podcast network so i thought this was a great opportunity for us to 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 take another chapter of our show uh and see what happens i think it's going to be a lot of fun i'm looking forward to it uh and we already have our first couple shows set. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that, of course, in two weeks, as you all will listen. Um, so I watched I watched WrestleMania 26 with like a different set of eyes than it would have been if we were if we had to watch Extreme Rules next. <laughs> so, right, right. so I watched it a little differently, but I'm excited tonight. I'm excited for tonight. I'm excited for our guest, uh, because I don't get to see him, oh, I don't get to have him on pods a lot. You know, he's a, a ball of fun and other. So, but uh, so that's where it came from. It was a combination of just changing the dial from where we are now um, and me kind of having a, a a labor of love for me of a, a topic that I've always wanted to do a podcast for and just adding another show just wasn't going to fly. So that was a combination of them. So I'm really looking forward to you and I doing this again. I love when we change things up. I think it challenges us to do something a little different and, uh, and we're still going to have fun with the pop cultures and movies and music and, yeah. House shows and stuff. We're still going to keep that. So it's going to be a I lot of fun. I'm funny really enough, play. this always seems to be the time of the year because it was November
2: of 2016 that we switched from, you know, off the original timeline back to the 80s. Yep. Then it was November of 21 that we went back to the timeline. Yep. Now November of 23 we are uh, switching up formats again. It's one so. of our favorite months of the year, you and I. I guess so. so. To, yeah, it's fitting. Yeah, it's always great. So so anyway, if you have thoughts, suggestions, et cetera, let us know. Hopefully everyone's excited about this change. I think it'll be, it's our first real dramatic format change in a long time because while we jump timelines, you know, we still pretty much had the format the same. So it's going to be something brand new for the first time. And I, yep. I would say, you know, five six years maybe no probably longer than that eight eight years maybe like it's been a while since we've kind of not done just like vintage vaults so yeah
0: Yeah, well i mean when we when we used to do headline shows but then we spun Mm -hmm. off with you know you we did kevin kelly and then we did main event and then close lines headline it might
2: have been like since 2015 really but we used to do other stuff like round tables and different things like but i think it was it was probably in that 15 2015 16 range where we kind of went full vault so yep um no. all right so that all said uh be sure to tune in uh in two weeks but we still have a full episode ahead of us tonight uh yes. one thing that we are going to do differently tonight is uh we are not going to turn back the clock and go into um the vintage uh wrestling report we're not going to have herb tonight uh or the pop culture corner because we're doing wrestlemania it's a large card we got a lot to cover and get through so we just kind of want to focus on WrestleMania 26 itself tonight right when we kick off the new format in two weeks we will bring all that other stuff back it's gonna be part of it um, in detail so more to come on that but tonight we're gonna to focus solely on WrestleMania 26 And to do that we're gonna bring in uh, someone that was actually there in Phoenix on that night. Uh, so he had requested to do this show. Of course, he is a co-host of Extreme Resurrection and Nation Invasion on the Place of Nation Wrestling feed, and you know him as the uh, Clown Prince of our family. And that is Mr. James Jimmy Gruny
0: Grunberg. How are you, Grooney? Hello. Gruney. I'm
1: doing. I'm doing well, guys. How are you guys doing?
0: very good very good look at you you're on the finale you're on the series finale Listen
1: to you. i know what a surprise huh yeah we didn't <laughs> go tell you ahead uh
0: yeah. the you other thing i'll say right. is
1: I, I am
2: i am very impressed my friend that you went 13 minutes and 30 seconds without saying a word yeah I mean, that's, that's,
1: that's big for you very good <laughs> well thank good. you yep
2: very good that's a win that's a personal record i'm sure <laughs> All right, Grooney, So, as a, a gentleman, as we all know, grew up in New Fairfield, Connecticut. Everyone knows your backstory. Your backstory. Uh, how did a young boy like you end up in Phoenix, Arizona, on this night for WrestleMania?
1: Well, I was a I was a junior in high school in 2009, going to 2010, and I said I would tra- I wanted to trade my graduation present and not have like a graduation party. I was like, Mom can my graduation present be a trip to WrestleMania? And she goes, okay, like, I guess so. And so like, you know, every time uh, the the WrestleMania comes out, you always get the next venue. And it was like, well, mom, we're going to Phoenix. She goes, okay. So then I bought a, I bought like a $180 ticket section 404, uh, you know like way up there and ticket, you know and it was a blast like it, it was crazy like I bought the Wrestlemania jersey and all you know like that I was just going to Wrestlemania uh,
2: and your first one your first mania obviously right
1: yeah my first Wrestlemania yep
2: okay, Phoenix okay. Arizona you've been to a lot since obviously mm-hmm Uh, sadly i've had to deal with you through most of them (laughs) all right so let's hit it uh march 28th 2010 from university of phoenix stadium glendale arizona 72,219 fans 885,000 buys so did very well not quite the million benchmark but close uh 26th of wrestlemania obviously arizona's fourth pay-per-view Is see first in glendale uh, the last Arizona pay-per-view prior to this one, Grooney, do you know when that was? The uh,
1: last Arizona... Is it SummerSlam 03? That was it the is first not. one.
2: That, that is the one of them, yes. that was the oh, you okay. guess at the other two?
1: Um... I want to say... like a Taboo Tuesday 05 uh
2: close cyber sunday oh eight was the, was uh, the okay. last one before this uh, scott was the uh the last of the four the
0: other ones. one was uh judgment day i'm going to confirm this but it was i believe it was judgment day 2006 i think was the one okay so, so there you go hey. yeah uh this attendance is the highest attended event
2: in the history of the stadium also grossed 5.8 million dollars in ticket sales on February twenty second, edition of Raw, Jewel and Ty Murray were the co guest hosts. I don't know <laughs> if you had Jewel on your punch card of Raw guest <laughs> hosts. But there you go. Mm. On uh, the next day was the debut edition of NXT. It's crazy, uh, Scott. That like on this timeline, right. We're bailing out in early twenty ten, and NXT is debuting as a thing. Like it's kind of I nuts. know. It is um, crazy. The original premise had eight newcomers, dubbed rookies, paired with eight superstars, dubbed pros. They compete in a series of matches and challenges over the weeks. The pros would rate the rookies on a semi-weekly basis, with eliminations taking place occasionally. The last rookie standing got a guaranteed dirty contract and championship match. The eight rookies and pros, Grooney. it's a little trivia time for you, my friend. I'm going to name the rookie. Can you name the pro, okay? Okay. All right. Wade Barrett.
1: Chris Jericho? Uh,
2: Wade Barrett's pro was Chris Jericho. Very good. Uh, David Otunga. Hmm. Hmm.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Cody Rhodes. Wrong. Our truth Okay.
2: All right. Justin Gabriel.
1: Hmm. 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 No, I don't know it.
2: Matt Hardy. Uh, Heath Slater.
1: 2010. Uh... <laughs> um, Sheldon Benjamin. No, it
2: was Christian. Hmm. Right, I'm going to give you a layup just to make you feel good. Daniel Bryan.
1: That's the maze.
2: Okay, you got two. Uh, we got three more. See if we can get, see if we can get a couple more here.
1: Darren Young. Darren Young. Okay. Uh, the big show. Nope. CM Punk, which I would
2: never have guessed in a million years. I don't uh, either. Skip Sheffield. <laughs>
1: Um, Jack Swagger
2: William Regal
1: <laughs>
2: and your last oh, one God. is Michael Tarver and it is no one that you've mentioned so far so there's a hint for you MVP no it's Carlito mm. so you get two out of eight not, not great but I don't know yes. if I would have done it better Honestly. <laughs> 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 All right, on uh, February 26th, Gregory Helms' uh, Maria Kanellis, Scott, oh, well, future Maria Kanellis, uh, no, Maria Canellis, yes, future Maria Bennett, I guess, I don't know, or yep uh, Scott Armstrong and Paul Burchill were released, and the next uh, two days later, Charlie Haas was released, so he had to point the run, Charlie Haas. Uh, mm-hmm. So some veterans there uh, out the door. On uh, March 1st, Raw Cheech and Chong were the guest hosts. Three days later, on March 4th, Angelo Paffo passed away at age 84. And two days later after that, Anthony, I mean, Aurelio, Tony Nero passed away (laughs) at age 85. On the March 8th, Raw, Chris Angel, Mind Freak, was the guest host. On March 11th, Jerry Valiant passed away at 60. A lot of deaths in March of 2010. Thankfully, older older guys, not anyone young. Uh, On March 14th, House Show at the Cow Palace was the first in five years at that location. The next day on Raw, Stone Cold Steve Austin was the guest host. The theme was a WrestleMania Rewind and featured several WrestleMania rematches. Uh, the March 19th house show in El Paso was the first in that town in four years. Another death on March 20th, Bar- uh, Baron Mikhail Cicluna passed away from liver cancer at age 80. On March 22nd, Rob Pete Rose came back as a guest host. And on March 27th, we had the Hall of Fame ceremony so took place prior to WrestleMania, Ted DiBiase, Stu Hart, eh, Antonio Noki, Mad Dog Vashon, Bob Euchre, Wendy Richter, and Gorgeous George were inducted. Now, Gruney, did you go to the uh, Hall of Fame?
1: I did not. I arrived on the uh, night of the Hall of Fame. Okay, got it.
2: All right, we had one pre-show, which is the annual Battle Royal won by Yoshi Tatsu as the 26-man Battle Royal, eliminating Zack Ryder. The participants were Primo, Slam Master Jay. Kaelin Croft, which I do not believe is a real wrestler. I will never believe that, but I still that name. Trent Barreta, Chavo Guerrero, Mark Henry, Great Khali, Luke Gallows, JTG, Chris Masters, Tyson Kidd, David H. Smith, Vladimir Kozlov, Kung Fu Naki, Goldust, Shad Gaspard, William Regal, Tyler Rex, Santino Morella, Jimmy Wang Yang, Vance Archer, Carlito Finley, Mike Knox, and the aforementioned Zack Ryder. So there's your pre-show. We then head into the actual arena as Justin Roberts welcomes us in. I thought the set and the crowd looked uh, pretty amazing in Phoenix. It's a really good-looking mania. Uh, We get a flyover. Fantasia sings America the Beautiful. Then we get a pretty basic opening video package, just kind of focused on the importance of WrestleMania. Michael Cole welcomes us into the show to get us going, and he'll be on commentary all night along with Jerry Lawler and Matt Stryker. So no rotating. We have a static booth. For the show itself. And that brings us right into our opening match, which features John Morrison and R Truth challenging Show Miz, the big show, and the Miz for the unified tag team titles. Scott, how did Morrison and Truth come together to get this tag title match?
0: All right. Well, on the uh, March 5th, SmackDown, uh, Morrison and Truth defeated the Heart Dynasty and Crime Time in a triple threat match to earn a title shot here. On the March 8th Raw, Show Miz cut a promo on Morrison and Truth. Compared, <laughs> this is sad. Comparing them to the Allied Powers because of how boring they were. That's terrible. Uh, and Morrison and Truth interrupted, which led to an impromptu match that ended in a no contest when Morrison and Truth left Show Miz laid out. On the 3-9 episode of NXT, Truth and Otunga, David Otunga defeated Miz and Daniel Bryan in a tag match. On the 312 SmackDown, Show Miz cut a promo on Morrison and Truth saying they had no chance at WrestleMania and Truth would defeat The Miz while Show defeated Morrison in singles matches. On the 322 Raw, Morrison defeated Miz in a singles match. And on the 326 SmackDown, Morrison and Truth cut a promo, knocking Show's record at WrestleMania and that Show Miz had no chemistry and Show would defeat Truth in a match only for Morrison and Truth to lay Show Miz out. Poor Alec Powers.
1: (laughs)
2: They did have an amazing mashup theme though. So Yes, he did. All right. Let's get into the match. Our truth is out, wrapping us, uh, wrapping himself down to the ring. Very random tag title match here. I guess you do have the Miz versus Morrison aspect. <clears throat> and I'm I'm fine with Truth getting the title shot as well in a big slot of Mania. Morrison heads out next, followed by the Tag Champs, a new mashup theme. Speaking of mashups, Miz has come a long way. Uh Cole tells us he is live in Romania for the first time ever tonight. Miz and Morrison start. Morrison gets a leg lariat for two. Truth comes off the top of the leg drop for two, follows with a sidekick, but Miz falls into the corner and tags Show. Truth goes right at Show, but Show catches him on a body block, hits a fall-away slam. Show peppers away at Truth, shoves Morrison off the apron. Show loads up a Vader bomb, but Morrison pops up and kicks him in the head, and he collapses back. Morrison gets a tag. He meets Miz with a flurry of strikes, tries a shooting star press, but show yanks Miz out of the way. Truth tries a plancha, but show catches him and throws him into the post. Miz controls Morrison for a moment, but Mor- uh, Morrison knocks Miz back with a kick. Show gets a blind tag, crunches Morrison with a knockout punch as he's trying a springboard and covers for the win. Uh, I thought it was a fine opener, but not a lot of time. I <laughs> think like three and a half minutes on a loaded card. So they really cruised into the finish um obviously not a, not a surprise that they didn't lose the title show miz uh very anticlimactic finish not a classic wrestlemania tag by any means uh, i thought miz and show looked good they raised their profiles so i went two and a half stars scott but um i don't know we could talk about ways to fix this card but i, I don't i don't know if it should even had more time but it's just a very random way to open mania with like a three minute tag title match that ends out of nowhere
0: yeah it kind of reminds me of uh I guess it was four years earlier when, I don't know, was it was was it Kane and Big Show opened against Masters and Carlito? Was that the first match? No, the first match I think was Money in the Bank. It was one of the first couple of matches. Um, obviously, we all know how Vince feels about tag team wrestling, so it doesn't totally surprise me. I think they just wanted to give Miz, I just wanted to give these guys a you know a, a visual, because um, a lot of stuff later in the show is going to take up a fuck ton of time. So they probably really just didn't have enough time to give them, you know, what they needed. Three twenty is not much, or three thirty, whatever it was. Match is fine. Show Miz is a fun little team, so I had no problem with it, Grooney. Um, uh, so I gave it two stars. Uh, was was the crowd? I mean, it seemed like everybody was there, but did it still seem like people were filing in even as this match was going on?
1: Ah, uh, no, it did seem like everyone was like in in their seats. Like okay. I was definitely in my seat. Like I, actually, I was in my seat around the ah uh, the end of the uh, battle royal too. So,
0: okay. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the match?
1: Um, I gave this match up a uh, star in three quarters, so I'm like right there with you, Scott. Um, big. Show, it just seemed like big. It was short, but like it just seemed like like Big Show mostly dominated. uh uh, Morrison and R-Truth. Uh, Morrison did have some good kicks, but again, it's like all big show and then out of nowhere comes the knockout punch and then, uh, you know, that's the that's the end. So I gave it a star in three quarters.
2: All right, we got a recap video of the WWE week in Phoenix and then get to our next match, which is the long-awaited explosion of legacy as Randy Orton takes on Ted DiBiase Jr. and Cody Rhodes,
0: Scott what has been the final home stretch for this long running huh. angle? Right. Um, all right. Well, on the 222 RAW, Orton and Rhodes talked about the night before uh, at Elimination Chamber, and Orton blamed himself for not being the leader he should be. And as he left, DiBiase would come in and tell Rhodes the plan was still on that night. Legacy lost the six man uh, tag to Kofi Kingston, Evan Bourne, and Yoshi Tatsu, mm-hmm. and Orton would attack Rhodes and DiBiase after the match, effectively ending. The legacy uh, faction. On the three one RAW, Orton defeated DiBiase by DQ, and Rhodes interfered and they attacked Orton, who fought them off. On the three eight RAW, Rhodes and DiBiase defeated Orton in a handicap match and then laid him out. On the three fifteen RAW, this match was announced as Rhodes and DiBiase attacked Orton during his match with Triple H, and on the three twenty two RAW, Rhodes and DiBiase cut a promo saying they would have been superstars regardless of Orton's help, and Orton would respect them after WrestleMania. And they would team with Sheamus to defeat Orton and Triple H in a handicap match. Match of All respect.
2: Right. Legacy has exploded. It's time for a big blow off. Not exactly the marquee WrestleMania match for Orton. Uh, you would expect after the year he's had, yes. but on the other hand, this angle needed a big ending. So, I mean, it's not the worst way to go about it. It's been a dominant angle. I think just because it's DBRC Rhodes Maybe doesn't feel big time, but like, this is a faction that's made of shows and you know, had the hot feud with DX. So like they've been a huge part of TV for the last year or so. So um, not the worst way, I guess, more than a year, really almost two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, DiBiase's out first quickly followed by Cody, a big pop for Orton as he stalks out. Cole notes, essentially this could be a handicap match and Cody and Ted do seem unified as we get going. Orton fights them both off. The crowd is into it, works over Ted, knocks Cody outside. Ted comes back with a drop kick. Him and Cody swarm. Assault Orton to booze. The double-team attack continues. It's a very strike-filled. The crowd tries to rally Orton. Orton tries to come back with some kicks and punches, but Ted hits a clothesline to end that. Cody and Ted use their usual methodical pace as the plan unfolds, a hallmark of their 9 work. Ted goes for a cover, and Cody breaks it up and knocks Ted outside as he starts to spiral. Cody snaps Orton down with an Alabama slam, but Ted makes a save. Ted and Cody... Start to brawl, but they stop and regroup as Orton recovers. Orton runs through both guys, hitting a pair of snap power slams as the crowd is revving up. Ted flops outside as Orton hits a backbreaker and loads an RKO, but DiBiase yanks him out. Cody tries a plancha, but Orton dodges it, and he flies into Ted. Orton drags both guys inside, spikes them both with hanging DDTs to a pop. He sets up the RKO on Cody, but he stops and reconsiders. Just kind of stares at his little protege. Orton then looks to the crowd and decides he's going to punt Cody instead. Ted sneaks in and tries to dream street, but Orton counters into an RKO and covers to win. So actually, this is pretty fun. The crowd is all in on Orton. I mean, he's organically turned. Uh, Ted and Cody showed well for a big WrestleMania match. They kept chugging Orton on fire, the selling and a snap offense, and a very good finish too, with Orton killing his own creation with a decisive win. We'll see where he goes next and how the young guys reset and grow. But I actually went three and a quarter. I thought this was a pretty good match.
1: Uh, yeah, I went uh, two and three quarters. I did like this. I did like this match a lot. Like, you know, nice double team maneuvers by Rhodes and DiBiase. And then that awesome double DDT by... By Orin and then he does like the uh, RKO And he's almost about to like Punch Cody's head off What I think is What I thought well um, I don't remember Because I thought it was a handicap match to begin with Is that it's a triple threat match And I'm like well if they're just going to double team Why not just Why couldn't you just have made it a Handicap Mm -hmm. match like I didn't understand Why this was a triple threat match Cody and
2: DiBiase were kind of On off anyway through all all the build Like they kept kind of Trying to sell the other one out and hang the other one out to dry. So I think they were trying to build like the group is dead. They may work together for a common goal, but they're also really not on the same page anymore.
1: Uh, okay, yeah. So yeah, but two and a th- two and three quarters for me.
0: Uh, I give this three stars. Um, I applaud Orton. I mean, we've we've lauded him, Jr. All through two thousand nine, how amazing he mm-hmm. was in the ring and. And I just feel, you know, this was a this was a good spot for him. This card is weird because a lot of the big players are here, but a lot of the two title matches took up four guys, and then you had the other stuff with Brett, which we'll get to, and then the main event. So you had these you had like the Triple H's and the Ortons. You're like, where, where the hell these guys go? Um But I think this was a good spot for Orton, you know, because number one, the crowds kind of he kind of organically – and I remember being big into him in 2010 because I felt like he was organically turning huge babyface out of nowhere, Um, like his finisher, RKO out of nowhere. Uh I like DiBiase and, and Rhodes, but I – and I'm not just saying this now. It's not like – I'm not saying hindsight's 2020 or anything like that, but I felt like Cody actually just looked like – seemed like the bigger star. I don't know why. Um Even – I don't know. It, maybe it's just – I'm trying not to think that it's because of now, but he just seemed like the bigger star than, than Ted, but uh, Orton is just crazy over. And I mean, he's a needed baby face. I feel like uh, throughout uh, this year and he get, he'll, he'll be needed a lot. So I think it worked out in terms of the creative that, that he kind of flipped pretty much based on the crowd. I don't know if that's what they were meant to do, but if they did, it worked. If they didn't, well, kind of like Stone Cold in 97, you know? It just kind of happened. I felt like he was going to get that kind of push, like Orton was going to be this mega face. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just like, you know, I don't know. I just had a good feeling about it. So I have no problem with the match. It was a lot of fun. And again, in a weird card where there was a lot of, there was not many spots for the the heavy hitters. I thought this was perfectly good. Yeah,
2: no, I mean, it was. And we've covered all the reasons why. And I think Cody felt like the biggest star, even though, at this point, you you look at the two of them, you think Ted has to look more for WWE than Cody. Um, he's a little bit more built, a little bit taller. Right. Yep. But Cody obviously had um, – no, they both had a pedigree, but I don't know. Cody has been presented more of, like, the lead of the team for sure. Right. All right. Up next is Money in the Bank time. Uh, our competitors are Shelton Benjamin, MVP, Matt Hardy, Kofi Kingston, Kane, christian Dolph ziggler drew mcintyre evan Bourne, and jack swagger a very (laughs) large field i think probably the biggest i'm guessing in history it seems like it
0: anyway um scott do we have any build up to this year's money in the bank well uh we do have some uh let's see here this is the final funny that this is gonna be our final mania maybe for a bit uh this is the final money in the bank match to take place at wrestlemania in 2011, and I I, I don't know if, we, if this, I think opinions vary, but in 2011, uh, it would be given its own pay-per-view mm-hmm.
1: uh,
0: in 2011. So this is the last Money in the Bank match uh, in, in, uh, at in, WrestleMania. Impressively enough, that first ever Money in the Bank pay-per-view on its own is one of the biggest in
2: wrestling history.
0: Ex- yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, we look back at the winners. So we've had what five previous winners so it was edge RVD uh Kennedy and then mm-hmm. Punk back to back for the for, for the five yep. going into this one uh this is actually Shelton ben- Benjamin's last WWE pay-per-view for 7 years wow he does not come back until 2017 uh on the 220 on the uh, 222 raw Christian defeated Carlito to be the first to qualify As it was announced that uh, they would expand the uh, field, and there would be ten participants in this Money in the Bank. Usually, I think the first one was six, then the couple had eight. This one has ten. Mm-hmm. Yep. On the two twenty six SmackDown, Ziegler defeated John Morrison in our Truth at a Triple Threat. Kane defeated McIntyre, and Benjamin defeated P- uh, CM Punk actually to qualify. On the three one Raw, uh, Swagger defeated Santino Morella and MVP defeated Zack Ryder to qualify. On the three five SmackDown. McIntyre was granted a second chance to qualify by Vince McMahon only to lose again this time to Matt Hardy on the 3-8 Raw born uh, Dr. Bond defeated William Regal to qualify on the three twelve Smackdown McIntyre was granted a third chance to qualify by Vince and he was handed some jobber uh, to finally qualify on the three nineteen Smackdown Ziegler and Swagger defeated Hardy and MVP in a tag on the three twenty two Raw Kingston defeated Vladimir Kozlov to be the final qualifying participant. On the 326 SmackDown, Hardy, Benjamin Kane, McIntyre, and Ziegler defeated the five heels, Kingston MVP, or the five uh, well, I guess it was a mix. Kingston MVP swagger, born and christian in a 10-man tag. And after the match, McIntyre pulled out a ladder, climbed up as he pointed at the briefcase, only for the other nine men to tip him over and slam the ladder on top of him. I have a lot to talk about <laughs> on that, but um so. <laughs> fucking drew McIntyre, in there poor bastard all right here we go
2: annual money in the bank time a uh, pretty fun field like we've outlined a mix of young high-flying stars established veterans we get the uh money in the bank staple in shelton it's also one of the biggest fields like we said and no clear favorite uh cole tells us every time a money in the bank winner has cashed in the title has changed we start with a big brawl the ring quickly clears out with fighting on the floor, the big ladder is quickly in the ring as Hardy hits a twist of fate on Drew. MVP follows it with a yakuza kick. We get a scrum to climb the ladder, but everyone battles and yanks each other off. Kane chokes Sam's born over the over the top into the crowd on into a crowd on the floor. Kofi knocks Hardy and Swagger off the ladder. We keep moving at a quick pace. Christian ends up alone on the ladder, but Dolph comes in and takes him down with a zigzag. Uh, he tries to scale, but MVP makes a save. Ladders and bodies are flying all around as we rotate through the control. Kane catches Kofi on a springboard, power bombs him on the ladder. Swagger cleans house of the ladder, but Bourne flies into him to slow him down. Christian and Hardy battle, batter Swagger with ladders and pin him between them. And the scale along with Bourne too. Swagger escapes and cuts them off. Bourne kicks Christian down and follows with a big air Bourne. Bourne scales again, but Hardy meets him and hip tosses him to the mat in a kind of a rough looking bump. Swagger blocks Hardy and sends him crashing through a ladder bridge. MVP and Shelton scale up next, ending with both flopping out to the floor. Kane and Dolph are in the ring, but Kane tips him off the ladder. Kane then chokeslams Dolph on the ladder and batters him with it. Kofi takes out Kane, uses a broken ladder of stilts, and climbs it, which is an insane spot. Drew then stops him. He takes a hard bump to the floor. Hardy stops Drew, crotches him, then gets close as Christian stops him at the last second. Kane meets him up top, but he gets sent packing. Hardy and Christian slug it out till Christian hits a reverse DDT to the mat. Swagger is in, him and Christian go back and forth, but Swagger smacks Christian with the briefcase, unhooks the briefcase, and wins uh, the match to booze. Honestly, not the greatest money in the bank. I mean, it's still a fun match, a very high floor, though, to these. So it's maybe not the best money in the bank, but still a very good match. The overcrowded field definitely hurt things. You had a lot of guys laid out for a while, and we just kind of had rotating highlights high spots and spotlights that didn't lead to much flow. It just felt like a series of things that happened. I think with a smaller crew, it could have been a lot tighter with more interaction. Like we saw in the early money in the banks, Uh, the spots are always fun, but there's no uh, all timers in there either. The finish was whatever swagger wins after not doing anything during the match. We'll see if he can take advantage of it to meet his eventual hype and potential. Uh, Good money in the bank. The crowd was vibing it, but toward the back end, I think of the all time money in the bank rankings, Scott I went three and a half stars.
0: Uh, I went three and a half as well. And the first thing I thought of was there are way too many people in this match. Yeah, yeah. ten guys is too much. I, I WWF just WWE just can never let something stay. They always gotta go more than they gotta go over. It's like it's like a great speech that goes like four minutes too long. Why couldn't they just left it at eight? Six was yeah. I mean, awesome. trying to get guys on the card, I guess. Yeah, six was awesome. <clears throat> But, and, but 8 was fine, depending on who those 8 were. But 10 is just a mishmash of guys. And there's only so many, so much shit you could do. Plus, there's not a ton of flip-floppers in this one. Drew McIntyre's not. Dolph's not. Kane's not. Uh, Swagger's not. Uh, MVP's not. Christian's really not. So it's like you have, you know, a match that requires, like, the athletic guys to really steal the show. And two-thirds of the 10 guys are not like that. You know, you got Bourne, you got... Kofi and but I mean, so it's a little crazy in that aspect. Um, and I don't know at what point, and I know they talk about it on the on this WWE 24 that just came out about him. Uh, I think this was getting to the point where they kind of gave up on Drew McIntyre, obviously, because they made him look like a complete fucking putz over the last like month. Um, I get that he's Vince's guy, but it was obvious that they they were kind of done. Um, he was intercontinental champion and but his, his attitude started getting the better of him and then he was dumped with you know three-man band or whatever and then he was gone but that's the best thing best thing that happens to these guys is they leave so they oath somewhere else and then come back more experienced smarter and and better equipped for the wwe life and that's what that's what happened to drew mcintyre um overall gurney i just thought this match was it was fine but there's just there were just too many guys, and uh, not enough of the typical money in the bank kind of guy to make this match really fly.
1: Um, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, I don't even remember that there were ten guys in the match. Like I remember, like like six out of the ten guys. I forgot the other four were in in the match. I knew Shelton was there. I knew Kane was there. I knew. Um, Christian and Swagger were there. Uh, I forgot about the other uh, got guy, other guys in it. Um, i said that there was always like a nice uh, Kane had a nice choke slam by Kane to Bourne, and then you know I always like Evan Bourne's uh, shooting star press. And I went three and a quarter on this. Uh, it was good. It had some. It had some moments. Uh, it might have gotten a little sloppy towards the end, but uh, it did have some good moments in it.
2: All right. Let's roll on. And and I guess while we're on there really quickly too, like of the guys in there, who's your pick, Rooney Like is the swagger or which someone else would have been a better choice? On the um, of probably... the ten in there. Christian. Yeah.
1: Um, no. and then um if I may make something, I'm sorry. Um, wasn't the first money in the bank pay for you ten, like where the Miz wins and he cashed it on Oren? How does he get it?
2: Do they end up running another one in 2010? Maybe
0: they do. I
1: believe so, because The Miz wins and he gets the briefcase and he cashed it on Oren on that December uh, thing.
0: Uh, Let's double check that.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, there was one in 2010. So they do another. So in July, they do another Money in the Back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, because Swagger does.
2: Yes. uh, They do two. One for SmackDown, one for Raw. Yep, it was. That's on where Kane July wins. Yeah, Kane wins the money, wins a briefcase, yep. and then cashes in that night
0: on Ray. Yeah, and then Miz um, yeah. wins the other one. Yeah. Yep. 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 That was uh, July eighteenth in Kansas City. Oh.
1: So yeah.
0: All right. So we stand corrected. So mm. so it was this year was the that year. So this was the last. This was definitely the last Money in the Bank at, at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, but 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 uh, to correct it, the first one was actually later that year in July. And uh, yes, Kane won the one, and he went into. Uh, he and then we had that terrible. Oh my god, another mm-hmm. thing we're avoiding that fucking kane taker feud. <laughs> um, god. Um, yeah, exactly. Oh god, terrible. Right, who would have been your pick
2: here, though, in this match besides Swagger?
0: Uh, I probably would have either given it to Christian, I like that pick, uh, uh, Gruny, nice. or um, fuck it why not MVP? Oh, I feel like MVP was kind of going down the, the Dolph Ziegler route of being forgotten. Uh, Dolph Ziegler, the uh, Drew McIntyre route of being forgotten. Yeah. But I I think I would have liked uh, maybe MVP. But I like the Christian choice. That seems the most obvious.
2: Mm-hmm. I
0: think it would have gone Kofi. He's like He had the cup of
2: coffee, came close with the Orton feud. This could have been maybe the next step or evolution for him. So.
1: That's
2: possible. All right. All right, Uh, we get a Hall of Fame recap video with the class we talked about earlier. They all come out and wave. We then get a recap for our next match, which is Triple H taking on Sheamus. Scott, how did we get to Triple H and Sheamus?
0: Well, uh, on the 3-1 Raw, Sheamus attacked Triple H after his match and hit him with several brogue kicks. On the 3-8 Raw, Triple H cut a promo on Sheamus, putting over the year he's had while comparing his own first year to Sheamus. And Sheamus would interrupt and challenge Triple H to a match which triple h accepted and they brawled with triple h standing tall the following week on 315 triple h defeated randy orton by dq and cody rhodes and ted dibiase got involved with triple h helping orton but then sheamus would attack triple h and lay him out so that also kind of led to orton's face turn That triple h was kind of helping him and on the 322 raw sheamus cody and dibiase defeated triple h and orton in a handicap match though triple h would clear sheamus from the ring after the match pretty cut and dry
2: And a big come up for Sheamus, uh, for sure. He's had a strong first year. He gets a marquee match at WrestleMania. Good to see Hunter out of the WrestleMania title picture as well. Mix it up a bit. Sheamus sucks out confidently, followed by the usual big Triple H entrance show to a pop. Cole talks about the importance of this match for Sheamus as they lock up. Hunter slaps him, hammers away. Sheamus tries to escape and regroup. Hunter runs through some offense, takes out the leg, hooks to figure four. Sheamus throws Hunter to the floor to reset. Sheamus works the back and then pummels Hunter with hard knees and stomps. The crowd works to rally Hunter, but Sheamus keeps him grounded. Now he turns to pummel the head. Sheamus cranks a chin lock, but Hunter breaks and hits a DDT. We get a slugfest into a Hunter facebreaker for two. Sheamus blocks a pedigree, but Hunter gets a neckbreaker for two. We then get a quick flurry of counters, but Sheamus blocks into the pedigree, gets two at a brogue kick. Hunter comes back on a spinebuster for two and then fends Sheamus off after a pump kick and gets the pedigree for the win. And that's that, which I thought it was a pretty simple power match it was basic. Uh, it was worked fine. Sheamus takes the hard fought loss, but you knew Hunter was not losing this smash mania. Uh, and this was good enough to fill a spot on the card, keep the crowd engaged, keep him off the world title for a bit, and let him fight his buddy. So, uh, I thought this was a perfectly fine. WrestleMania mid card match. I went three and a quarter, Grooney.
1: I went three stars. This was a very great match. Um, up until uh, to, to this point, um. I, w- I was sort of getting into, like, WrestleMania. Like, I-, I enjoyed the show, but this was a match where I was just like, you know what, I just want to see Triple H here. Like, I always love seeing Triple H wrestle, and I was like, you know what, this one's going to be, like, a really great match. And uh, I went three stars on it. For them to let Sheamus counter the pedigree twice, You thought that Triple H was in trouble. But uh, he kicks out of the bro kick, and, uh, you know, he nails the pedigree. So I went three stars on it.
0: Uh, I gave this three stars too. Um, again, similar similar to the Orton match, like you said, uh, like you said, uh, 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 Jr. Another spot for uh, uh, for a, a main event guy that not in the title picture mm-hmm. like Orton to give him something to do. Fun match, hard hitting. You could tell that Triple H likes Sheamus. He's a Sheamus guy, Sheamus guy for the next decade uh, and longer. Um, yeah, just a simple, fun, uh, you know, stiff fight. Perfectly good for the card. Triple H kind of, you know, settled into the middle uh, like Orton. And uh, the following month, uh, Sheamus actually takes Triple H out, and I think we don't see him again. I think he's gone for like the rest of the year, I think. Right? I think he is. I don't think we see him again till February. Right? Yeah, till he challenges Taker at 27. There you go. So he pretty much takes her whole year off. Crazy. best part of 2010. <laughs> <laughs> he, had 20, he had a great 2009, but...
2: No, he's, yeah. he's been
0: fine. Honestly, he's been fine
2: since he... Yeah. Uh, he's been fine since he came back from the quad injury. <laughs> like, he's he's been okay all through 08 or 09. Like, I, I have... This may be the most tolerable stretch of his career uh, is during this time. And the, the DX stuff was okay. It was, you know, a little long in the tooth, but... Better than 06DX by far.
0: Yeah. No, I agree.
2: All right. All right. Let's uh, keep rolling on here. As we get a video recap for our next match, we waste no time to get right to it. And this is probably one of the best well-built matches on the card. It's one that everyone was really excited for. I remember going into it. <coughs> Excuse me. And that is Rey Mysterio taking on CM Punk, Scott. How do we get to this one?
0: Well, uh sir uh if punk wins the match then ray must join the straight edge society on the 226 smackdown uh mysterio would cost punk his money in the bank uh qualifying match on the 3-5 smackdown punk cut a promo on mysterio saying uh uh, that uh, calling him a neglectful parent and not a superhero and Mysterio would defeat Luke Gallows in a match, and Punk attacked him after the match only for Mysterio to escape. On the 312 smackdown, Mysterio brought his family out to celebrate. Still it was still weird at this point now, seeing you know Dominic in his like weird puberty phase. Uh <laughs> but the uh society and it, for it was celebrated his daughter Angie's ninth birthday, but the SES would interrupt. Punk challenged Mysterio to a match at WrestleMania and called Mysterio a coward. He slapped Mysterio in the face. And Mysterio would take his family to the back as Punk finished singing Happy Birthday to Angie, which is pretty funny. And later that night, Mysterio would attack Punk until officials held him back. That
2: was a very famous segment of Raw or of TV with the creepy happy
0: birthday singing and yeah. stalking. That was like really, really infamous. It was infamous, yes. Uh and on the 319 smackdown, Mysterio cut a promo on Punk saying he crossed the line and accepted his challenge. He demanded a street fight. And Punk would come out and said, Mysterio was upset that Punk exposed him as a coward last week. He said that he saw potential in Mysterio and wanted to save him so he could be a better father. And he would have Mysterio face Gallows in a match where if Mysterio won, the match would be a street fight. But if Gallows won, the match would be a normal match with the stipulation being Mysterio would join the uh, Straight Edge Society if Punk won. Later that night, Gallows would beat Mysterio thanks to Punk and Serena as Mysterio would attack Gallows after the match. It's definitely
2: been a red hot feud. Uh, A lot of excitement, anticipation, happy birthday, creepy. Uh, punk and the Strateg Society stalking the family, trying to close the deal and force Ray into the society tonight. He stalks out with gallows, and Serena rips on the fans as usual. Ray is out, laser focused. He has Avatar cosplay on. Every mania, of course, he wears something. Uh, Punk uses a gallows distraction to attack from behind. He pounds Ray, targeting the head and upper body. Serena chokes Ray as he's in the tree of woe, but Punk misses a sliding dropkick and bangs into the post. Ray comes off the apron. Punk catches him, slaps him into the steps. Punk continues to club the head. He goes to a chin lock, but Ray works free, gets a seated senton. Punk counters with a springboard crossbody with a power slam for two. We get a flurry of counters and a Punk near fall after a hard kick to the head. Ray fights up and gets a springboard DDT for two, but Punk blocks a 619. Ray dodges a go to sleep and tries a springboard moonsault, but Punk catches him on his shoulders. Ray blocks another go to sleep. He kicks Punk down but comes up empty on a frog splash. Ray recovers. He knocks gallows outside. It's a 619 and splash on Punk for the clean win. Uh, Scott, this was a fun match, but I thought it was a little disappointing given the talent and the build. It came short of all the, you know, race classic stuff with Jericho in 09, uh, a very good mid-card mania match, but a type of tipping point match that could make this mania uh, just very good or an all-time classic, right? You kind of get those matches on the big mania cards that like, oh, like if this hit its potential, it goes four plus, maybe this mania becomes an all-time conversation, right? If it stays where it's at, and where I have it, meh, maybe it's not enough to get it over the hump. So Ray wins. We'll see if the feud ends or it keeps going. The chemistry was smooth and well executed. I went three and a
0: half stars. I went three and a half as well. Uh, I thought the match was fine. Uh, it could have been better. Um, I love Punk in the straight edge role, and and you know, he like. But one thing about Punk, he he really will go all in on a thing, and and you know, the whole long hair, and I mean, he literally was supposed to look like Jesus, and mm-hmm. he's pretty close to it. Uh, and it was just a, it was just a fun match. I mean, it gives Ray, it gave Ray something to do. It certainly gave Punk something to do. Um, it was, I think the match. I think this card just seems so interesting because there's so many top heavy guys that you wonder where all these guys are going to go. So I feel like the feuds were fine. The builds were fine. This is the first case though, JR, like you said earlier, where the build was great and the execution may have lacked a little and uh uh so i think this was the case too um the build was awesome but the uh the execution might have fallen just a little short greeny
1: uh yeah i think it did as well i might give it three stars Um, I always said that Punk always had, like, uh, had great kicks, uh, you know, he always does, like, those, uh, great kicks, and then, like, uh, the great spot by Punk throwing, uh, Ray off the steps, uh, and, like, he comes down and just, like, goes smacks right off the, uh, right off the steps as well, but, uh, it was good, I remember, uh, this one, like, you know, the build-up to the match, and it's like, oh, Ray's just gonna get his, uh, gonna get one over on uh cm punk uh for this one here because i didn't did i don't think uh ray was gonna join the uh straight edge society
2: all right well we'll see where we go from here i agree i think it was obvious but i don't know it could have been something where ray loses and gets forced in and has to find his freedom or he breaks it down from inside or something so mm-hmm. they could have done something like that but All right, we get a video package right away again for our next match, and this is an interesting one that's been building for uh, quite a bit since the beginning of the year. We've chronicled it here, Scott. It's a match that many thought would never happen, and that is Brett the Hitman Hart taking on Mr. McMahon. How did we get
0: here? Well, uh, the special guest referee could have been a myriad of people if they were still alive, Um, (laughs) but unfortunately. so. it is Bruce Hart. That tells you all you need to know about where we're going mm-hmm. from here. <laughs> uh, the lumberjacks is the Hart dynasty and, uh, pretty much the whole family. We see I say everybody. Yeah. Pretty much everybody. I mean, Diana, uh, Diana actually didn't look too bad. She had a gown. She yeah, looked she better did. than she was with Davy when she was with Davy. Um, and then, uh, what's her name? The fucking Anvil's wife, whatever her name is. Um, and then, of course, Smith and, uh, oh, was Keith there? I think Keith was there. I was Keith not there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. So the whole Hart family and, of course, the dynasty. This began way back on, uh, the December 15th, 09 Raw, when guest host Dennis Miller told Vince that he wanted to see Brett back in WWE. Brett, of course, returned on the 1-4 Raw, which, of course, JR, you and I documented. Uh. As the guest host and made amends with Shawn Michaels, but before before attempting to do the same with Vince, Vince would kick him in the nads. Over the next few weeks, Vince would insult Brett constantly till he was provoked by John Cena into inviting Brett back. On the 2-1 Raw, Brett confronted Vince about his comments and attacked him until Batista saved Vince, and Vince would spit on Brett while Batista held him up. On the 2-8 Raw, Brett would attack Vince and challenged him to a match. Uh um, uh, challenged him to a match at WrestleMania with Vince refusing, and Bret would tear up the ringside area. Uh, kind of like reminiscent of 97. Uh, they tried to do a lot of that 97-ish mirror universe thing during this feud. On the 215 Raw, Bret cut a promo talking about wanting to face Vince at WrestleMania, though said it wasn't meant to be, and he thanked all the superstars backstage and said the issue of Vince would remain unresolved as he went backstage. He met up at Cena, and they talked until a limo backed into Bret, injuring his leg. Uh, as he was taken away in an ambulance so a, a limo took out his leg with uh, the limo's leg uh, on the 222 raw vince denied responsibility in brett getting hurt and revealed he was now considering brett's challenge for wrestlemania of course on the 3-1 raw brett and vince had a confrontation as brett called vince out for wanting to face him with an injured leg and vince would call brett a coward until brett said he would face vince at wrestlemania despite his injury on the 3-8 raw uh, Vince uh, set up a match between himself and Cena, though he would make a guitar, a gaunt, make it a gauntlet match, and he would join he would pin Cena thanks to Batista. On the three fifteen raw, Brett and Vince had the contract signing overseen by guest host Steve Austin. And after both men signed the contract, Brett revealed he had been faking his injury as he vowed to sue Vince if he tried to get out of the match as he hit Vince with the cast twice as Vince tumbled over the table. On the 322 Raw, Brett cut a promo talking about his history, at WrestleMania and with Vince. As he said, the family would be in attendance, and Vince would interrupt backstage and simply said that Brett was
1: screwed.
0: That's a lot. <laughs>
1: it's a lot.
2: It's been a busy a few months with these guys. <laughs> That's um, a long wild road to get here. Brett's looking for his ultimate revenge after all the years of rage and bullshit. He heads out to a pop at his jorts. Uh, Cole recaps his story. It's his first WrestleMania match in 13 years, since 1997. Vince struts out next, stops in the aisle to shit talk. Brett says he shelled out a lot of money to screw Brett and bought himself a bunch of lumberjacks and a guest referee. He says Brett screwed Brett and Vince screwed Brett. And now the whole Hart family screwed Brett as they all come out to booze. Bruce, of course, hamming it up. He's the guest referee. hugs oh. Vince. Brett grabs the mic. He's not happy with his family for selling out. (coughs) Excuse me. But he says he knows the Hart family all got paid up front as usual. I'm sure you all got your cash. And he learned from Montreal that there's nothing sweeter than a good double cross and that the family's stronger and united as one tonight. They (laughs) told Brett about Vince's offer ahead of time. And they agreed they'd take Vince's money. And then Brett would screw Vince at his own greatest creation of WrestleMania. Vince panics as Brett starts to beat the shit out of him, throws him outside. The family all take shots, including Natalia. Striker wishes Natty the best of her future endeavors, which is a pretty funny line. Uh, the hard <laughs> dynasty do the heavy lifting. They slaughter Vince in the aisle and at ringside, including a heart attack. Back inside, Brett keeps battering Vince until he slithers under the ring and finds a crowbar. He tries to ward everybody off. Brett easily takes a weapon from him and starts to grind and pound Vince with it. Brett loads the sharpshooter, but instead he releases and uses the crowbar some more. The crowd wakes up a bit as Brett stomps Vince in the nuts twice. Brett sits in the chair and watches Vince crawl around. Brett grabs the chair and crushes Vince with it, smashes him in the back and the legs with nearly 20 more shots with the chair. Brett finally puts the sharpshooter on and holds on for a while as Bruce calls for the bell. The Hart family celebrates after. Now, look, I did like two paragraphs on that match. It is a long excursion through all that. It's only 1109 of match time, but um, it's widely considered to be one of the worst WrestleMania matches of all time. Uh, And it's a fiasco. The concept makes sense, okay? But the execution felt overwhelmingly cruel and it dragged on way too much. Bret was limited, fine. uh, But the match was just a hot dynasty beating up an old man to silence. And in the end, it almost turned Vince's face because it's a gratuitous assault. I thought the hard dynasty looked dumb. Um, They have to work in WWE and they just beat the shit out of their boss. Like there's going to be repercussions and I get they're standing by their family. Um, But I I think maybe they could have went about it a different way. I think this should have been the end of Mr. McMahon altogether. I know it's hard to say that, Um, but it felt like Dakota to his arc as a character. Like we started with him because of Montreal ending with Brett killing the character to me was always the way to go. Um, I've also always thought that this should not have been its own standalone match. I get why they did it. And I get to give Brett his moment, but I always felt that it should have been linked to a match later in the card with John Cena and Batista because they were tied into the feud. And Vince has been kind of Batista's guy, right? He got him the title and everything else. So why not have Vince in Batista's corner and Brett and Cena's corner. And if Cena wins, Brett gets five minutes with Vince and Cena wins the match And then we get Brett beating the shit out of Vince for five minutes. And I think that would have been a better use without this whole fiasco with the family, without Brett almost turning Vince's face because the beating is so bad and you leave the hard dynasty out of it. So while this may have been cathartic for Brett, I think it's too much for the rest of us. And I went dud, Gruney, on this match. Um, (laughs) You know, I don't think it's the worst. I think there's a match a year later that's much worse uh, than this. Mm -hmm. But It is certainly in the conversation.
1: Um, All right. Well, I want a star. I I would say it's a uh, star and a quarter match here. Um, I was, so I was really looking forward to this match. And then when Brett came out in shorts and a T-shirt, I lost interest in immediately. I was just like, oh, he's not in his, pink and black trunks. Like I was thinking like full Bread Heart. And then I think that's where I learned about his like Lloyds of London thing. And I was like, oh, okay. So he can't really wrestle like, because he's yeah. not really cleared and he still wants to get his insurance money. But I remember just being so disappointed in that, like, like he wasn't in pink and black, t- like his pink and black trunks. Like that was it for me. So I would say it's like a star and a quarter. Um, I would say the nice, um, the nice heart attack move by, uh, the, um, by a Smith and a kid was good. Yeah. So, yeah. Um,
0: all right. Um, this was a dud. Uh, this was, this was, this was awful. Um, first off, uh, Brett was obviously not in wrestling shape. There's no doubt about it. I think. I think what Vince was trying to do, I thought a lot about this today. Like I said, JR, I did a ton of notes too, because I just I had so many thoughts. I feel like Vince was trying to recapture the magic of seven years earlier at WrestleMania 19 when he fought Hogan. But and I can't believe I'm about to say this. Hogan was in better shape than Brett. <laughs> I don't think we would have said that in the 90s, but uh but that match was amazing because they wrestled within their means. Vince is seven years older. Brett is a fucking mess. I mean, he can't do anything anymore. Uh, so trying to make this like a standalone was a dumb idea, an absolutely dumb idea. Number two. Uh, the, the Hart Dynasty went, I don't know if they were trying to get them over, but that was a bad idea too because all these other clowns are leaving and there's st- and and Vince gets you know so yeah logically it made no sense for them to to be able to uh uh you know to to do all that and knowing they're the only ones sticking around and number 3 and and this is the worst part unfortunately and, and uh, sadly there's nothing you could do about it you had like 3 months of this build going back to that raw at the beginning of the year that you and I covered JR and just think about it. Think about the Hart family and think about fucking loser Bruce. What was, what, what, what was Bruce? Bruce probably tried to pitch. So if Brett wins, can I run NXT? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, think about who was missing from this. Think about who would have made this storyline and this saga so much better. The three guys that were in this family extended and blood that were not with us and that's bulldog owen and pillman just imagine just imagine if pillman bulldog was never like the funny one but still bulldog Mm -hmm. just imagine jr like 96 97 pillman and owen as part of the storyline it would have been fucking amazing Instead, you get all the fucking ugly bowling shoe fucking brothers in the family, a bunch of fucking mongoloids. Instead, you don't get the guys that would have made that would have got it and that the fans would have loved and would have made this hilarious. I'm guessing Anvil's on the outs. I don't know because it's
2: you know he's not on. I don't know when Total Divas and all that was going on where he was like on there with Natalia. If
0: that's after this, uh, probably not for a few years. I don't think maybe 2013, yeah. 2014 that probably started. Well, that could at least um, been something maybe if he came out. Yeah, but just imagine. And again, nothing you do about it. You can't. You know, you can't. You know, this isn't uh, Ouija board or whatever. But just it just it sucks because. I think I could have accepted a crappy match if you've got Owen and Pillman acting like two complete dipshits, nineteen ninety six style. It would have been so amazing, and it's sad that we didn't get that. We didn't get that, and instead we get all the fucking mm-hmm. ugly, ugly, talentless members of the Hart family. Even if fucking Stu was alive, Can you imagine Stu yeah. fucking, yeah. Uh, fucking, <laughs> you know. They should have just had Aaron dress up like
2: him.
0: <laughs> it's a God, for sure, so. Yeah, exactly. That's a, sh- it's right. a shame. It's a real shame. It could have been so much better, and it just wasn't.
2: All right, we get an announcement that WrestleMania 27 is taking place in Atlanta, Georgia. Then we get the attendance announcement of 72,219 here in Phoenix. We then go right to a video package for our next match. It is for the world heavyweight title, and that is Chris Jericho defending his belt against his former partner, Edge. Scott, how did Edge yes. come back into our lives and now take on Chris Jericho at WrestleMania?
0: Well, of course, uh, Edge came back and won uh, the Royal Rumble. Uh, on the 222 Raw, Jericho cut a promo on winning the world title. Of course, he won it thanks to Sean at the Elimination Chamber. Uh, Edge would come out of the crowd and gave Jericho the spear. As he said, he was using his Royal Rumble title shot against him. On the 226 SmackDown, Jericho cut a promo saying Edge ruined his moment on Raw as Edge came out and said the spears were getting into Jericho's head. Jericho said Edge would never give him the spear again as they brawled with Edge blocking the code and another spear. On the 3-5 SmackDown, Edge cut a promo saying he was concerned for Jericho with all the spears he was giving him, but the Big Show would interrupt until Edge cleared him from the ring. In the main event, Edge defeated Show as Jericho tried to attack Edge with the title belt, but Edge would gain would again give him the spear as he led the crowd in chanting spear on the 312 smackdown edge was a guest on the highlight reel and the two men insulted each other as edge said jericho always lost on the wrestlemanias he wasn't at and jericho said edge couldn't get it done on his own and he vowed to end edge's career and they brawled with jericho blocking the spear by hitting edge in the head with the belt and he taunted edge by saying spear repeatedly on the 315 raw uh G- edge attacked jericho after his match and gave him the spear again On the 319 SmackDown, Jericho and Wade Barrett appeared on the cutting edge as Edge and Jericho went back and forth with Jericho again threatening to injure Edge and Edge would fight off both men and give Barrett the spear only for Jericho to give him the code breaker and stomp on his leg. On the 326 SmackDown, Jericho cut a promo at Edge saying he was superior to Edge who came out and attacked him and Jericho would avoid the spear and rolled out of the ring as Edge held the title up.
2: Well, Edge is back, and a good story that you just outlined, these former partners throwing down. Jericho saunters out, still enjoying this run of a lifetime, back on top, followed by Edge storming to the ring full of energy. We ease in with some counters and brief control holds. The strike striker hypes the spear story. Jericho peppers Edge around. Edge slips free and teases the spear. They head outside where Edge works him over. Jericho turns the tide again but shoves Edge, uh, Edge hard to the floor works the back a bit for going to Modified Sleeper. Jericho keeps moving through his assault until Edge shoves Jericho hard off the apron to the table and then flies out into him. The crowd's kind of dead here as we head back inside. Edge counters the suplex to the Gord Buster. They continue to counter and dodge moves as the Jericho reversing the high cross body for two. They run through some pinfall counters until Jericho gets Edge in the walls to a pop. Edge wriggles free and dodges the Lion's Salt, but Jericho comes back with an Enziguri for two. Edge recovers with an impaler for two. Jericho nails him off the middle rope to the back of the head. Jericho sets up a spear, but Edge blocks with a hard big boot. Jericho blocks the spear with a codebreaker for two. Jericho finally starts to target the Achilles with strikes and goes back to the walls in a single-leg crab. Edge breaks the hold and both end up on the floor. Jericho takes the belt and smacks Edge with it as the ref is down. That gets two. Edge is hobbling as Jericho gets into the codebreaker and wins. I would say in an upset. Jericho tries to attack Edge after the match, but Edge fights him off and puts him through the barricade of the announce table with a spear to a pop. Uh, that was a very good match. It was, again, a simple story execution, uh, but the crowd was sleepy through most of it until the end groany. Edge is clearly still a bit limited, but Jericho carried him along, even though he didn't really focus on the on the Achilles like he could have until the end. Uh, I thought something was missing here for what could have been given the story but the t- and the talent, but it was fine for a mid-card spot. Again, these matches not over-delivering de- de- don't hurt the match themselves. It really hurts the legacy of the show as a whole. So this is another match like Punk Ray that could have tilted the show to an all-time classic, but comes up short. I thought the finish was surprising, but I think they saw that there was more juice in the story um, and Edge chasing a little bit longer made more sense. You didn't have to force a change just yet with given what else you have on the card. So, uh, Scott with three and a half stars, so a very fine world title match, but again, not something that's going to get this card over the hump.
0: No. Uh, and I was actually quite surprised that, uh, that edge lost. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that they don't always do, uh, both titles, you know, change hands at mania. I know a lot of people thought that was a problem. Uh, uh, you know, that, that it kind of diluted each other's wins between ironically Cena and Batista in 2005 at uh WrestleMania 21. So I feel like they haven't really done it completely since as a matter of fact, I don't think they have done it since I don't think both belts have changed hands, uh, since 2005. And, um, so I think that of the two belts that were going to change, this was the one that wasn't. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, you could tell that Edge is not totally back to normal, um, and uh, Jericho winning doesn't surprise me. He's you know solid heel, um, and it kind of adds a little mystique to the. It adds a little mystique to the Money in the Bank situation because I can't see Jack Swagger cashing in on on either Cena or Batista. That just makes no sense. So you get the feeling that this is the belt that that Swagger probably will cash in on. So. I think seeing one of those two, um, either Edge or Jericho win, I think would have eventually led to um Swagger cashing in. So kind of made sense for Jericho to win. However, it does seem weird. You would have thought Edge would have won, but again, uh, not since WrestleMania twenty one has both belts changed hands in the same night. I think they try I think they feel like it dilutes it. So um takes away from each other's wins so i'm not surprised that edge lost um grooney but i thought the match would be a little bit better it was as good as it was i don't think edge was totally i think he was still a little ginger with the foot but it wasn't terrible
1: Uh, i went three three stars on the match um it was it was good um I thought Edge had actually won the match by disqualification. I thought I remembered mm-hmm. that. Um, I don't remember um, him, hit, Jericho hitting the code breaker for a pin. Actually, I remember like I thought like Jericho had used the bell and like got disqualified for using the bell too. So I thought that Edge won by disqualification. I do remember the spear into the barricade. Um, again, like a surprise win. I just don't remember the finish, but. Um, yeah, for this matchup, I went three three stars, and um, I'll I'll, I'll throw in a fact um when we get to the uh, WWE title match. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. We get
2: clips of the pre-show battle royal, which was won by Yoshi Tatsu, and then head to a big showcase match for the women's division. Scott, as Lay Cool, Maurice, Alicia Fox, and Vicky Guerrero take on Eve, Mickey James, mm. Kelly Kelly, Gail Kim, and Beth Phoenix. Was there any build to get us here to this
0: showdown? Quite a bit, and uh, another uh, WWE regular will be gone. Uh, I talked about Shelton Benjamin earlier. Mm-hmm. This is Mickey James' last pay-per-view match for five years. She'll mm-hmm. she won't be back until 2015, so she leaves uh, and probably needed to. Uh, <laughs> on the 222 cool. RAW, uh, Maurice defeated Kim to win the vacant Divas Championship. So Maurice your divas champion on the 226 Smackdown McCool defeated James to regain the women's title thanks to guest referee Guerrero while Phoenix watched backstage on the 3-1 Raw Eve defeated Maurice Kelly Kim Fox and Jillian Hall in a pajama pillow fight when she pinned Fox on the 3-5 Smackdown Lay Cool and Guerrero celebrated McCool's title win when Phoenix interrupted and demanded a title shot and Guerrero said Phoenix would get a shot when she said and told her not to forget what he did to Mickey James on the 3 8 Raw, Eve, Kelly, and Kim defeated Maurice Fox and Katie Lee in the 60 of tag when Eve made Maurice tap out. On the 312 SmackDown, Tiffany defeated McCool by DQ when Layla and Guerrero got involved until Phoenix made the save. She would hit a clothesline on Guerrero, which turned her face and she scared Lay Cool from the ring. On the 315 Raw, Maurice defeated Kelly and attacked her until Eve and Kim made the save, but then Lay Cool attacked them and celebrated with Guerrero and Maurice on the stage. On the 319 SmackDown, Phoenix and Tiffany defeated Lay Cool in a tag match as Guerrero demanded Phoenix apologize to her for what happened last week, and Phoenix refused as Guerrero said they would face off the next week. On the 322 Raw, this match was announced as Maurice and Lay Cool defeated Eve Kim and Phoenix in a six-man tag, a six-diva tag, and finally on the 326 SmackDown, Guerrero changed her match with Phoenix to a handicap with Lay Cool and Maurice as uh, her partners. And they defeated Phoenix and Guerrero getting the pin and Eves uh, with James, Eve, Kim and Kelly came out and a brawl broke out with Phoenix left alone with Guerrero as she ripped her pants off and Guerrero ran to the back in her panties.
2: Okay. All right. Well, it's a big jumble showcase. Uh, deserved better. I think the women, uh, given the focus at all through the year, but at least this gets them on the card, but this has been one of the stronger years for the women's division. So I would like to see something pay off a bit more. Uh, we quickly cycle through all the pairings and quick spots. We get Kelly battering Vicky after screaming in her face. Michelle gets a tight faith breaker on Kelly, but Mickey comes in. We go through the usual fast flurry of finishers. Beth stands tall and stalks Vicky, but Michelle wipes her out. Michelle helps Vicki to the top rope. She gets an assisted frog splash on Kelly, Cole calls it the hog splash, but the ref botches the count. So Vicky just slams her body down twice more on Kelly and the heel team wins. Um, Not whatever, not their fault. They all tried to do something with what they're given, but jamming 10 women into one match and getting a few minutes is never going to do much. They did all get a moment to shine. The finish was messy. Just give me Beth destroying someone as a finish. Not not a stupid hog splash with Cole you know, getting at ringside. So I don't know, Scott, I want one star. This is, is, I get like, I'm not going to call it a waste of time because they deserve to be on the show, but there had to be a better way to go about it. than what we got.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a shame because it just shows how much, how little at the, at the time they thought of the women's division. Meanwhile, they have two belts. So (laughs) that's, that's kind of crazy as Mm -hmm. well. Um, uh, I mean, there's really not much to say. It's just a chance to get them on the card. And that's pretty much that. So, Grooney, um, not much here for me.
1: Now I want a star as well. Um, it basically was just a spot that everyone gets their uh, finishers in, and that, uh that like way bad, like that that rollover with Vicky, uh, like it went way over, like where the raw where the uh, shoulders were off the mat too. So the referee did have to stop because she overrolled. Um, so then like they had to redo it and it's like one, two, and three. So yeah, one one star. Everyone got their uh finish spot in, and uh that's how the match ends.
2: All right, we get a video package for our DoDE title match, and it's the one we mentioned earlier. John Cena taking on Batista Scott. How did we get to this position with a heel Batista defending the world title against John Cena?
0: Well, of course, the night after uh, Elimination Chamber on the 222 Raw, Cena cut a promo saying that Vince screwed him the the night before, and Vince responded saying he granted Batista a title shot after he helped him with Bret Hart, um, and then said that Batista wouldn't defend the title until WrestleMania, though uh, he did say Cena could face Batista that night in a non-title match to earn a chance to face Batista for the title at WrestleMania in the main event. Cena defeated Batista by DQ uh, to earn the title shot when Batista gave Cena a low blow, and Batista would destroy Cena with a chair before standing on the stage with the title. On the 3-1 Raw, Cena cut a promo on what happened at the Elimination Chamber as Batista interrupted, and they went back and forth about coming up at the same time, and Batista ranted about Cena being deemed the top guy and not him. Cena responded, saying he's given his life for the business while Batista expected everything to be handed to him, and Batista reminded Cena that he broke Cena's neck the last time they fought, which was at... SummerSlam uh, 2008, and that Cena can't beat him. On the 3 8 Raw, Cena was set to face Vince in a match, only for Vince to make it a gauntlet match. Cena was forced to face Vladimir Kozlov, Drew McIntyre, Jack Swagger, Mark Henry, and finally Batista, who gave Cena the Batista bomb, and Vince would pin Cena to win. Uh, on the 315 Raw, Batista would cost Cena a match against The Big Show and whispered something to him after the match before walking away. And on the 322 Raw, Batista cut a promo, flanked by security, as he said Cena couldn't beat him, and he saw the fans simply as dollar signs. And Cena interrupted as he vowed to beat Batista at WrestleMania, which led to a brawl as Batista escaped and Cena stood tall in the ring. Very interesting how they were talking about like coming up at the same time and stuff. Very that 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 build was pretty good. Agreed. I mean the whole
2: build to the whole show was good. <laughs> like I, like I definitely remember the, a lot of hype for this Mania. Um, all right, heel Batiste has been a revelation. He stalks out with his belt to an awesome entrance, the first proper feud with Cena since they rose up together. We had the match in 07, but uh, or in 08 rather, but it wasn't like a feud behind it. Cena has a military based entrance to a mixed reaction, a long stretch of intros. we get going with some cautious feeling out. And lock up. Cena works a brief headlock, but Batista comes back with heavy punches and a hard kick. Cena rallies back and loads the AA, but Batista counters with a great spike DDT for two. Batista hooks a sleeper with a body scissors, but Cena eventually powers out. Gets into a slugfest until Batista snaps a neckbreaker for two. Cena breaks another way down hold with a backdrop and kicks Batista in the face. Cena heats up through his closing offense as the crowd is split. Batista blocks a five-knuckle shuffle with a spine buster. Cena blocks a Batista bomb to an STF. Batista powers out, hits a spear for two, then batters the midsection. He loads Cena to the top rope, and we end with a test of strength between them until Cena knocks Batista down. Cena comes off the top with a super five-knuckle shuffle to a pop, loads the AA, but Batista grabs the ropes. Batista slides down into Batista Bomb to a big pop and a close near fall. Batista avoids another AA. We get a flurry of reversals into Cena deadlifting Batista and hitting AA for another great near fall. Cena goes up top, but Batista catches him in a Batista Bomb. Cole and Stryker call that back to SummerSlam 08. Cena dodges another Batista Bomb, rolls through, gets the STF, and Batista taps out and John Cena is our new champion. A very fun and hot match with two pros that have full confidence and ownership of their work. Uh, Basic structure, as usual tonight, no BS or nonsense. Just a big fight match between two gods. Very similar to SummerSlam, but not as much impact uh, as there was more story here than just kind of two warriors battling. The near falls and crowd were good, and the finish was well done. Just really good stuff. Cena's back on top, uh, but we'll see that there's more to this uh, past this show. So Grunia went three and three quarter stars on this, uh, again, a very good world title match, but again, just short of a classic that would have helped this card become an all-timer.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went three and a half. Uh, it was great. It, w- it was a great, um, w- WWE title match. And here's a fun fact. It's been five years up until this point. That the WWE Championship has not uh, changed hands. Mm-hmm. The last time that it changed hands was John Cena defeating JBL at WrestleMania 21. And then with the World Heavyweight title, it's been about six years. Actually, uh, you know, like um, it's been like six years uh, since because um, Triple H retained at WrestleMania 19. And then he loses it at 20 and 21. And then. You got Ray, you got Undertaker, then you got uh, Taker again, and then you have Cena, and then Chris Jericho retains the World Heavyweight title. So yeah, there there's a little bit of a factor right there, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, if I went uh, three and a half on it, uh, I liked how uh, they kicked out of... Uh, Both guys kicked out of both finishers. uh, Lots of counters. And I did enjoy that uh, five knuckle shuffle shot um, from the uh, top rope. Uh,
0: I gave this three and a half stars. Uh, I liked it. I think they have good chemistry. Uh, It is kind of a generational match in the sense that these are the two, you know, kind of faces of ruthless aggression. Um, you know, that run kind of ended in oh eight. These guys were actually there for that. This is now the Cena PG-ish era. So um uh I I do find it funny that they kept saying, you know, Batista expected everything handed to him, and I, I don't know. I think they both kind of earned it. It was that was the only weird thing. It's like I don't know, I feel like Batista did the same thing, although it did always seem like Batista just got handed title matches freely while Cena actually won Rumbles and things like that, but anyway. Um but the match itself was good, but you're right. it just something... Every match seemed like it was short of gear, you know? And this one really could have been like an all-timer with two guys who have good chemistry, they work well together, they brawl well together, and they just... Something just didn't... Something just wasn't there. And uh, I don't know what that was, but the match itself is fine. Uh, I think we all knew that with with edge losing that i mean i think it was a foregone conclusion cena was going to win this match i think it was just a question of how far the feud was going to go obviously it's just getting started uh but uh i thought overall the match was fine but yeah this this could have been one that could have been remembered as one of the best and it just fell a gear short it's a shame
2: all right we get a ad for the Shawn Michaels DVD coming out and then a video package for our main event, which is a rematch from a year ago as the undertaker takes on Shawn Michaels. And for the second time in three years, Shawn Michaels is involved in a career ending match. If he does not win here and end the streak, he will retire. So Scott, how did we
0: get back here
2: from last year?
0: Well, uh, as you mentioned, uh, if Sean wins, obviously he pulls off the impossible. But if Taker wins, this is it for Sean. And of course, we all know what happens. Aside from that very, very forgettable match, uh eight years later at Crown Jewel 2018, uh, this is the la this is it for Sean in that aspect. So on the 222 Raw, the night after elimination chamber, Michaels cut a promo saying he wanted to get Taker's attention by costing him the world title. And Taker would come out, and they went back and forth with Taker accepting Michael's challenge, though he said he would only face Michael's if he put his career on the line. Michael's would respond by saying if he couldn't beat Taker, he had no career, and he accepted. On the 3-1 Raw, Michael's cut a promo saying everyone was calling him crazy for putting his career on the line. As Triple H interrupted and said he knew Michael's could beat Taker— and later that night, DX would lose a tag title match to Show Miz as Triple H tried to console Michaels, who walked away. On the 3-8 Raw, Taker cut a promo saying a dark cloud was following Michaels and he would end his career. And Michaels would interrupt as Taker offered to make the match no DQ and no countout, with Michaels accepting as he vowed to end the streak. On the 315 Raw, Michaels spoke with guest host Steve Austin, saying everyone thought his career was over after their match. Uh, Christ, 12 years earlier mm-hmm. at WrestleMania 14, though Michaels came back and he would send a message to Taker in his match with Chris Jericho with Michaels would win by count out. On the 319 SmackDown, uh, Taker defeated Drew McIntyre. <laughs> and after the match, Michaels came out on the stage through Taker, blocked Sweet Chin Music only for Michaels to escape a choke slam as he hit Sweet Chin Music on Taker and stood over him. On the 322 Raw, Michaels cut a promo saying that even though the new DVD about him Might imply his career was over. He said he had much more to do and vowed to end the streak. He was interrupted by a video highlighting his career until it ended, saying his career would end. And later that night, he would defeat Kane in a no-DQ match, only for Taker to appear and give Michaels a chokeslam. And over the weeks, in another case where WWE used a real song for something really cool, numerous video packages hyping the match to the tune of Johnny Cash's Ain't No Grave, And we would also get interviews from other superstars talking about the match and giving their predictions. And I remember, I don't know if it was Cena or Punk that said, uh, you know, Taker Street could live forever. But if anybody could end it with the turning off of a light, it was Shawn Michaels. I thought those packages were awesome. Those, 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 uh, Those build packages with Johnny Cash and the superstars were really, really good. They're all on YouTube if you want to watch them again. They're really good.
2: All right. It's a long journey, but here we are. A lot of hype and turns along the way. A fitting closer to the year. Big buzz for Sean as he dances out, followed by the ominous Undertaker entrance, as always stalking to the ring, laser focused on keeping the streak intact. A nice bridge as well. Two years later, Sean on the other end of a retirement match. We start with a tense stare down, and then we get a quick strike war as both guys show they're going to have an urgency and intensity. Taker hits a quick snake eyes, a big boot, and a hard clothesline. Sean avoids a choke slam where T- Taker's knee buckles and he tries to kick back into it taker keeps on loading sean slips out of a tombstone quickly works the arms to try and drive taker down kicks at the knee whenever he needs to break free taker dodges switch and music we reset with sean going after the knee taker docks sean over the top he returns takes the knee out again we head back outside where taker drives sean into the post hits a leg drop at the edge of the apron back of the ring sean takes the leg out again hooks a figure four but taker breaks out they trade some big punches. Sean keeps peppering in shots to the knee, kips right up into a choke slam for a good near fall. Taker loads a tombstone, but Sean slips down and goes to an ankle lock and then drops down to a grapevine. Sean releases and clotheslines Taker outside and then leaps off the apron, but Taker catches him and tombstones him on the floor to a big pop. Taker puts him back inside for a two count, tries a last ride, but Sean counters to an X factor as uh, for two as Taker's leg gives out on the way down. Sean goes up top and eats knees on an elbow. He's in pain. Taker pulls Sean into Hell's Gate, but Sean flips through it for a two-count. Sean pops up and nails Sweet Chin Music, but only gets two. Tries another one, but Taker counters and hits the last ride to a big pop for two. Taker slings Sean to the floor, rips apart the announce table, loads the last ride, but Sean slips out, hits Sweet Chin Music, and Taker falls to the table. Sean drags himself to the top rope and hits a moonsault on Taker's legs, and this time, thankfully, does not destroy his ribs uh, ribs again, like two years ago. Sean drives Taker back inside his sweet chin music for a great near fall. Sean loads up another sweet chin music, but Taker dodges it, hits a choke slam, and nails the tombstone. But Sean barely kicks out. Taker slow to get up and plot his next move as Sean slowly drags himself up on Taker's body. Sean gives the throat slash to Taker, slaps him in the face. So Taker scoops Sean up, hits a jumping tombstone, and ends the legendary career of Sean Michaels. Sean lays dead on the mat as Taker celebrates, and then Taker eventually pulls Sean up. They hug and say farewell as the crowd chants for Sean as he leaves and meets his fans. Uh, A classic match, I thought just a hair below last year. Tons of big spots, hard-hitting offense, and great near falls. The drama is really well done. Sean left it all out, didn't drag on like a forced epic. They got in, hit their shit, and got out with a decisive finish. The crowd was hooked the whole way. And a great main event to a slightly disappointing WrestleMania. Scott, I ended up going four and three quarters. And this match went just under 24 minutes. Uh,
0: I also gave this four and three quarters. It is also, I mean, it's, it's, it's exceptional. It was on my GWW top 100. Uh, I don't know where I had it. Somewhere in the 60s, I think, or 70s. I had the first match between them. Uh, I think I had it at number two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think the, I think the main thing here was expecting perfection. Whereas the year before in Houston, uh, that match just came out of nowhere to be perfect. I think everyone was expecting this to be perfect. And it was just a little less than perfect, but both guys just gave it their all it's Sean. So there's really nothing much to say. It's fucking Sean and it's WrestleMania. He doesn't take the match. He doesn't take the night off the night off. Um, Like he gave Sid the night off. Uh, Takers, taker, takers in great shape. You know, it's funny how, uh, you know, we got to the end and, you know, over the last several years and we have, you know, Taker and the the mm-hmm. documentaries on the last ride and everything. Taker was in great shape in this, like, like between 2000, I feel like between 2008 and 2013, Taker was in great shape. And then, you know, it's obviously you get older, you know, you get older, but uh, he was, uh, I mean, they just gave it their all. And, uh, you know, Taker would just get better over the next three years with his next three years of matches um, but obviously, after 2010, uh, this would be his last full time year himself. Uh, I it was sad for Sean to be gone. Um, and as we talked about at the beginning of the show, JR, as 2010 progresses, I think WWE didn't totally prepare for Sean to be gone because I think there's a big hole in the roster where he could not where he was. Um, having said that, this was a fantastic ending. Ah, uh, you were very blessed, Gruny, to be there live, um, but it definitely made the fact this match was so amazing also emphasized how the rest of the show was not as good as it could yeah. have
1: been. Yeah, uh, I um, wow. there, when, when, yeah, I went four and a quarter. When you're there, when I went, yeah, I went four and a quarter. I I definitely think that they're. Uh, WrestleMania um, previous matchup was better. But like you said, you know, everyone expected this to be like, like uh, they expected perfection, you know, and it's a little bit below perfection, but it's still there. They're like, you know, we're not going to do any better than what we got here tonight. When Taker comes out, it gets cold in whatever, wherever you are in the, arena you know you just feel that cold it's like is he going to break the streak or is Shawn Michaels going to retire um I love that moonsault spot um I think Taker definitely went for everything early which was kind of surprising um but you know counter after counter kick after kick you're like is Shawn gonna keep his career alive or not in that final tombstone it's like it's over and i texted my friend right after it was over and i said 18 and oh he's a big shot michael's fan goes i can't hear you <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want it to be over and i was like oh it's over man uh yeah but four and a quarter it was just it, it was great and i was glad to be there live hmm. all right so
2: that wraps it up. Uh, let's get to our awards. For my MVP, I just give it to Sean. I mean, you could credit him and Taker, but I thought Sean very quite clearly was emptying the tank completely uh, in this match. He knew this was it. He goes out in a great finish with a great performance. He really sold the story as well. So this is kind of his night and his show.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. It's it's a farewell. Um, and I remember the next night on Raw. That that whole build was just... And then when they did a a package about it for the SmackDown, uh, it was touching, you know? Another mm-hmm. good song that they used. I don't remember what it was, but it was really good. And Taker coming out, tipping the hat. Yeah, this was his night. This was Sean's night.
1: Agre- agreed, yeah. Shawn Michaels, uh, MVP.
2: All right, LVP. I went the Hard Dynasty. I-, I thought they were made to look the stupidest on the show. Like, again, risking their job. Uh, and beating up an old man for five minutes on behalf of their uncle, <laughs> like just like it, just they just look silly to me. Like this, there was nothing. It would have been better if Vince had a couple of goons come out and they fight the goons off. Maybe it would have been better, you know. Um, but this instead of like them just straight up, just beating the shit out of Vince felt like too much.
0: Uh, I agree. I have more on that in a minute, but yeah, you're right.
1: Yeah, I would have given it to um either them or like Vicky Guerrero just for like that bad like I don't think it was necessarily her fault but like just like the whole like you know that whole like overturned over-rolled, uh roll up there you know it's like it's a simple and you know they did not make it look simple
2: well what is simple is our best match is obviously Shawn Michaels versus the Undertaker
0: yeah, yeah I, don't, I think that's safe to say. Agreed Yep All right
2: and worst match Bret Hart versus Mr.
0: McMahon yeah, the, the the more you look at it, I think everything that was executed probably seemed good in his head and on yeah, paper. Shit. And then as you're watching it, you're like, wow, this doesn't look good at all. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, with a close second, um, the the divas matchup. That's only because it was just a spot fest itself, you know. Right. right. Um but but yeah, like like you say, you know, the if you watch it, because again, I was excited for the match going into it. It's like, oh man, it's Bret Hart, Vince in a street fight, not knowing that Bret can't really do much and mm-hmm. he's not coming out in pink and black trunks, you know. Right. So right. I was so disappointed. All right, uh, best moment I went with
2: Michael's, I guess, like retiring, like the finish and his farewell, like that whole thing.
1: Yep. Yep. Saying yep. goodbye surprise of the night
2: i i don't know i, I guess it is with the whole heart family showing up and beating down vince it was pretty surprising i don't think anyone expected that i think jericho winning would be a second close second for me yeah
0: i'm gonna put that i'm gonna put jericho winning even though i even though now that i see the grand scheme of things it makes sense it didn't it didn't make sense to me at first um i think i knew we were gonna see every ugly member of that family <laughs> so i'm gonna go with jericho winning
1: I'll go with uh, the Hart family, Um, you know, uh, seeing everybody again.
2: All right. All right. Final grade. uh, You know, I thought this was um, a very, very, very good WrestleMania. It had an all time build. Uh, I was dialed into some podcasts at the time. I remember that was so hyped up on it. Like I was so hyped up on it. I'm like, this is going to be a classic mania. It's got Great feuds. They've really put a lot of work into it. And this, it, everything just came up a little short pretty much, except for the main event for me. I think that delivered where it would have. Everything else was like a half star to a star short. And then you got to factor in just an all-time dud in Vincent Brett. So I ended up going seven and a half, but this had potential to be like a nine plus type of mania. Uh, Instead, it ends up like maybe in the, you know, 10 to 15 range all time, whereas I think it had potential for like a top five to six all time.
0: Mm. Yeah, I... I uh I agree. Like every match could have been a main event of another pay-per-view. Uh a secondary mm-hmm. pay-per-view, whether it's the even the Orton triple thread or obviously Cena Batista, Jericho Edge, obviously Sean Taker. Uh all of them had the potential to be like secondary pay-per-view main events. It was a loaded show on paper. I don't know why they but the matches just felt there. They were good. But Going into that day, they were supposed to be great. So I'm going to give it seven. Would I ever watch that show again? I don't know. I mean, it's a long show. I mean, I, I when I, I thought, oh, it can't be terribly long, and then I look at the, the timeline on Peacock, and it was three hours and fifty two minutes, and I went, oh, Jesus, <laughs> fuck, is it really? Christ. And I mean, obviously, that's not the worst we'll, we'll get over the following thirteen years, but, no, um, yeah, it just. Every match fell like a gear short or a star short of what it should have been, mm-hmm. and I think had had seen if there was no taker Sean and Batista Cena was the last match, I probably would have given the show like a five yeah think mm-hmm. so I think uh, I don't
2: know if that low, but yes, but
0: yeah, I think taker and and Sean really delivered to the point where it it beefed it up a little bit and gave it that special ending, so seven for me. Um,
1: I gave it a seven as well. Um, this coming from uh, you know live eyes here. Um, the Undertaker, like it's like the first half of WrestleMania is good. You know, you you kind of get bad with like the Bret Hart, uh, like with the Bret Hart match. However, you want to look at it, then the, then it's like the last three matches minus the views match. They're they're great. You know, the back half of WrestleMania was good. He was was better than the the first half of WrestleMania. And uh, for, for me personally, that song, I made it by Kevin Rudolph, that was like the jam of all jams to go with this WrestleMania for me. Because like I finally made it to going to WrestleMania. Like I made it to WrestleMania, you know. So to me, that song was like the cherry on top.
2: All right, well. That'll wrap us up uh, both for this episode and for our timeline journey that started at Backlash 07 and wraps up here at WrestleMania 26. I think we did about well, a little under 50 or so shows when you factor in the couple science made events we, and the Raw versus Impact special we did in there. So it was quite the run um, for sure. Scott, as part of this journey, total mm-hmm. matches done were 325 on the dot. So Right on the dot. It's crazy. Yeah, there you go. Um, so good on that, and good on you, Grooney. Thanks for joining us. Thank, thank you, Groenie. everyone, for your support here on the Place to Be podcast. Thank you. We'll be back two weeks from today. We'll be making towns with our brand-new uh, format. We'll have a guest on with us, and we're looking forward to it. So thank you all for your support. We'll talk to you soon, and everybody, take care. Peace. I
0: don't know when.
1: Is going to leave All I know
0: And I'll take...